Hi all listeners and welcome back to Coffin Bond Podcast here for podcast number 19. Uh, we have a special guest in today, uh, one of the first people I actually met when I joined the industry. So Joe Walters, welcome to the Coffin Bond Podcast. Hi, Jamie. Thank you for calling me special. Special, it is. I, I do have Tony here as well. Um, and what we're going to do today, I guess, is talk about how you two met each other um, and how, I guess, the relationship's built here within Kofkin Bond um, and a bit about your background and, I guess, what you do to help clients. Yeah, I think um, in regards to how Joe and I met each other, she was working at a large firm, which she'd worked for for 20-odd years and was a partner there. And, um, or principal, as they were known in, yes. in that firm. Um, and we were looking for a new estate planning um, a lawyer, and Joe kept coming up on uh, one of my feeds. So we, we met over the internet. That's uh, right. So it's uh, the, mod- so the modern world. My the story's mod- a bit different. Yeah. <laughs> No, we, I, Tony I didn't out. stalk me. Yeah. No, he no. just sent me the one, the one message, lovely saying, message, and I thought, yeah, uh, he's... I, I'm looking for someone new. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, should we chat? So, yeah, so that was how we met. So it was it was interesting that uh, I suppose I've always said using LinkedIn for the right purpose, and thus we've now I think been working together for about six years. Sounds from, about right. From that initial yeah. meeting, yeah. So it's uh, so it's been a while. So. Uh, I don't think it was, uh, you did respond, which was nice, to my approach of saying I want to give you clients. I did, you didn't appear to me to be a serial killer, you look yes. legit, so I thought, why not, what do I, I have, have to find to that photo again <laughs> and put it back up. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, yeah, and so I think we yeah. automatically felt that we were on the same wavelength. Yeah. Yes, definitely. And we were both really client focused, yeah, I, I liked the fact that the conversation was very much about what you do for your clients rather than what you get out of your clients and yeah. I decided that you were someone I could definitely work with. Wonderful and yeah six years later we are still working together but I will recollect one story on there which Jamie's just reminded me I think Jamie's first ever meeting with me when he joined this industry was in that uh, old firm's boardroom and all I remember him doing was staring out the window and saying, I want this one day. <laughs> so, so we'll, end up, we'll end up with that boardroom. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So it's, um, but that, yeah, yes, that was interesting. My boardroom has changed. Yeah, so six years. for the last two years, I remember yeah, having a discussion probably three years ago, but you know, about you potentially going out on your own. And but two years, you've been doing it now. You went into partnership with your husband, Steve, who is also a lawyer. Uh, works in di- works in different areas mm-hmm. uh, yeah. than you. Um, but how's that been? It how's was the last a risky two... move, and I remember the looks on people's faces before we went into business together, going, "Are you sure?" But it uh, actually—I I, I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. <laughs> so it's, yeah. But it's actually worked out really well. Yeah. And we we're lucky enough to be a couple who can work together. Yeah. We, we have complementary styles rather than. Uncomplimentary styles, and he does everything that I tell him to do, so it's uh, working yeah, it works out well. just perfect fine. Well. <laughs> it's absolutely perfect well. But so, how, I guess how was the transition of going from such a large law firm hmm. um, and working to that timesheet to, to sort of how you are now? It, it took some time. So I, I do remember waking up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night about four weeks after I left thinking, you know, what have I done? <laughs> Why have I made the, the move that I have? So there, there were a few jitters t- to start with. And I also found that 
initially I I found it hard to let go of those old habits you know old habits really do die hard and and make new habits that that didn't happen overnight yeah and I remember the first few weeks I still was obsessively doing timesheets and doing all those things that I'd done in my old firm and after a while I thought well I don't need to do that anymore I can I can make it up as I go along yeah and I guess when you're talking about habits what are some of the new habits besides I guess timesheets but you know, going from coming into the city every day and you're working a bit differently now. You have to get up 4am to start working the city. Yeah, so, so, I did, yeah. although, yeah. to tell you the truth, I am still waking up at about 4am or 5am each day. Uh, it's interesting, when I was working for someone else, of course I had to fall into line and, and they imposed a structure on me. So I had to be in the office at 8.30 and leave at 6 and so on. But... Uh, and initially when I started out on my own, I found that I just continued to do that because it's what I had known for 20 odd years. But more recently, I've, I think I've found my own natural rhythms a bit more and I've realised that I'm a massive early bird and my golden hours are between about 5am and 8am and I am so ridiculously productive during those hours. Before children get out of bed, is that right? It does happen to <laughs> coincide with, <laughs> with that time of the yeah, day, yeah, remarkably. Yeah. But I, yeah, I get up and I'm, I'm on straight away. And I know some people feel a bit foggy. Like my husband's quite different. He takes a while to wake up and get into the swing of things and he needs to have a bit of breakfast first. I, I get up at five o'clock, I feel completely fresh, I go to the computer, I don't need food, I just need a cup of tea and I work like a, a crazy lady for, for three hours and that's when I get my best work done. Yeah. And so I've, I've changed things a bit so that I, I do all, you know, I do the real grunt work during those hours and then as the day progresses, I, I do different things. I try to see clients in between the hours of, you know, say 10 and and three, so I can miss peak hour, yep. hopefully, preferably. And then later on in the day, I probably feel like I'm, I'm perhaps a little more creative in those later hours of the day. So I might do a bit of marketing, I might make some phone calls to yeah. some referrers or do that kind of thing. So I do work quite different, differently to when I was at my old firm but it's taken me a while to, to find my new groove. Yeah. What, was, what was the, I mean, some of the reasons you worked in a large firm for 20 odd years, you were a partner there, mm, you know, yeah. you had um, a, you know, a good stable income. Mm. Um, and, you know, so based on that, what you took away your own security right. blanket in a way, but what were some of those decisions to actually decide to go out on your own? <sighs> Look, it was a hard decision to make and there are some aspects of working in a big firm that I probably do miss. I, I miss being surrounded by a lot of really interesting, smart people that I can talk to during the Poor day. Steve. I wasn't meaning to cast aspersions on my lovely, smart, <laughs> interesting husband. Yeah, okay. But I've I've just got one now and when I was at my old firm I you know I had had many yeah. really great people who I was working with. I guess I started to crave autonomy. I don't know whether that was that that's something that 
happens to all of us as we get older. Yeah. No, I wanted to start marching to the beat of my own drum rather than somebody else's. And I... Getting up by 4am by choice. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah. I kind of... I, I would say to people, I'm sick of being a battery chicken. I want to be a free-range chicken. I'm still yeah. a chicken, though. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, I get to make up my own rules. And that, to me, is, is priceless. It, I didn't know whether I really would like it and, or whether it was just a bit of a pipe dream that I was chasing and the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. But I think it really is. I think yeah. there's something really special about about having that autonomy and that freedom and having something that is yours and being being the boss. Have you have you felt by moving to that way that the service to your clients has been different or sort of still similar? I think I provide a better service, yeah. quite mm. frankly. Yeah. yeah. yeah and so. again, it's because of the autonomy to, to choose when I see clients, what I charge them, where I see them. And when you work for someone else, you don't always have that freedom. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because I know in our industry, we, you have uh, advisors that work for institutions. So whether they be some of the larger private banks or um, a lot of the actual big four banks are now getting out of financial planning. But those advisors never, the clients of theirs that we, they come to us, they've never seemed to be able to form a relationship with the client because they're always mm. about doing what the boss states yeah, and, in a and, very you know, formulaic way yeah it's very formulated mm. it goes you know dot your eyes cross and see's mm, get to the next mm, page whereas we've always found that after the initial meeting with clients and you get to know them over mm. years they actually become friends mm. um so they actually you know will engage you and actually get to know more about you they know about your family mm. and vice versa yeah. so it, it's it's a very easy conversation yeah. Would that be fair in saying that? that? That's right. I think you're yeah. able to create more intimacy yeah. with your clients when yeah, you get to determine how the relationship is going to look like. They... I think that's, but I think, that, I think that's really something that is wonderful in coming from your industry, being the legal industry, because unfortunately when most people think of their lawyer, it's a, a time of conflict, <laughs> so it's, it's or a time of need, or a time of getting something done to avoid conflict. Um, so you're usually not on front. Mm. Of, the lawyer's not usually on front of mind uh, unless something is occurring and they mm. quickly mm. have to ring you on that basis. So it, it must be nice to be able to have a relationship with a client now rather than them. That, yeah, that, that's yeah. right. And I, I feel like I probably get more work from clients as a result. They yeah. they tend to, to think of me when they've got other issues that need to be sorted out because I think they have yeah. a, a positive, positive idea of, of our relationship. Yeah. I was speaking to a client um, of ours. Oh, in actual fact, she was a client of yours before she was a client of ours, but her <laughs> son was a client of ours. Uh, Shirley and she uh, was talking to me last week and said I need to get this and this and this done I'm gonna go and see Steve and Joe to get it done and and can you do this and I said no no Joe does all that so it's uh, <laughs> but it was it was it was great that she, she she had that relationship it wasn't a case of which has happened in the past to us was uh, not regarding you but regarding other people referred to 
what was that person's name again? Mm. You know, so yep. in other words, she felt that she could certainly pick up the phone and actually That's have right. that conversation yeah. with I, you. I feel like I am a lot more approachable than I used to be. Yeah. People can call my mobile and I will answer it. Yes. And there are less barriers yeah. between us. So they, they don't have to get through a PA to speak to me. Yeah. They don't necessarily have to drive a long way and yeah. find a park and go to an office to see me, I, I can go to them or we can meet somewhere that's convenient. So I yep. think what I've, I like to think that a lot of those barriers are, are broken down and it's a more intimate relationship as a result and I'm that little bit more approachable than I used to be. I'm the same lawyer, yeah. I still have the same technical skills, but yeah. I think I provide a, a better human service. I'm, I'm an yeah. easy human being to to get on with now. And Yeah, from, from that relationship, I guess when I was talking about that I guess I first met you um, when I first started in the industry you and Tony actually did a talk a presentation together and talked about the relationship between a lawyer a financial planner and an accountant um, and how that all combines Do you two want to just explain what that presentation was about and how you believe that you know everyone should be working together to, to create value for the client yeah can I start on that chat Okay. Yeah, sure, Tony. Our, our purpose as a firm, um, or as what's commonly known now as our why, um, is that we ensure that the right amount of money goes to the right person at the right time, and as Jamie added to that, tax effectively. So it's, um, and it's, it's interesting you ask that question because for us to be able to do that, from an insurance perspective, it's putting the insurance in place and making sure in the event of a claim, the claim is going to be paid. Uh, from a retirement perspective, it's putting investments in place to ensure a time of retirement there's going to be enough income provided to give the lifestyle that they want. But a lot of people don't necessarily think of lawyers being involved on the tax effective side um, as well. So as an example, we think it's, uh, and one of the reasons why Joe and I have given this talk is we believe it's vitally important that when we put those insurances in place that um, there is actual legal whether it be for a buy-sell agreement um, or for personal insurances or just the estate in general if they're an older person they don't even require insurances is to make sure everything is legally binding so in the event of that family going through what will be one of the most traumatic periods of their life in an insurance claim being paid out that there is certainty that it's going to the right person at the mm. right time and tax effectively through things like testamentary trusts, mm. etc. Yeah. So that's our reasoning of why we use the likes of Joe. But Joe, you might want to add to that in regards to your reasoning, vice versa. Oh, as well. It, yeah. well I, the bottom line is I, I can't do it all, and yeah. you can't do it all, and the accountant yeah. can't do it all. We all need each other, and yeah. when you when you are talking about uh, estate planning and business succession planning, all those people are vital. If somebody comes to me and says, oh look, I haven't seen an accountant or a financial planner, but yeah, this is what I've, what I've decided is probably okay, and can you just draw me up a will, or can yeah. you do the buy-sell and I'll, I'll work out insurance later. I'm going yeah. to say, I'm sorry. I I can assist you with, with part of what you need, but yeah. you really need to go and see Tony to, yeah. to make sure that that what you've got planned is really the best for you and your family. And, and is actually going to occur. And, and can occur. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. So it's, it's and, a, and similarly, you, you can do, do part of what's required yeah. and a really important part of what's required. 
but you can't actually take that step of, of formalising a buy-sell mm. or making sure that a will is put in place and drafting yep. a, a testamentary trust. So we, we, really, we all need each other. And, and I think between all three professions, there is that grey area in between all of us where, yes, where we, you have to understand the tax implications exactly. of a testamentary yeah. trust or if a buy-sell is being activated. Mm. We have to understand the tax consequences. We have to understand the legal consequences that, if right. they don't have yes. the agreements. Yeah, we can't just stay yeah. in our little silos and, and, and not know anything about the, yeah. the other's patch. But we also can't presume to be an expert when it comes to those no, other right. fields and some I found that some professionals do presume that and that's when things can and I guess go there's, there's that real life yeah mm. there's that real life example and we've touched on in a few podcasts I guess it's been an ongoing issue here but it sort of I guess coming to an end where um a real life example where a buy sale was put in and you got you two both worked on that with an accountant um mm-hmm. and yep. it's actually for an accounting firm yeah yeah, yeah. and so do you, do you want to elaborate on you know, i guess the, the process that you went through there of working together yeah i think um it was interesting too jamie i think that was your first ever buy sell agreement yeah. you're involved in as well but um the one of the accountants those three accountants who merged their practices together um, one of the accounts had been a client of mine for several years and had become a very close friend as a result of that as well. And my firm instructions to him were that in the events of this occurring, they have to have a buy-sell agreement. Um, he's, he was, all three of them actually were all sole traders, uh, so they had their own practices. So by bringing them all together, they had to have a buy-sell agreement. So in the events of it ha- anything happening to either one of them, they got the cash to be able to pay out. Um, they all agreed to that. Uh, they put key person revenue in place, key person capital. They put their buy-sell agreement in place, insurance in place. But all of that would have been a complete waste if we didn't then bring Joe in to be able to legally document that. So you might want to touch on yeah, and, the process and unfortunately of that. that doesn't always happen. And it, it might be that the yeah the financial advisor puts in place the the insurance policy yeah. and might suggest to the the parties involved that they need to go and see a lawyer but doesn't follow through with that and I think the yeah. good thing about our relationship is that we always we're always working together and we're always on those clients to make sure that they do follow through with what they need to do rather than correct. just assuming that they're going to do that because we've told them to to do that so Absolutely we you know, we make sure that we work collaboratively well, we've, we, we've had an example in here where Someone has gone forward and made a buy sell agreement, but it was the wrong policy numbers in there and had draft written all over it. Actually, it actually was so, never signed yeah, and still had draft yes, in front of it. Well, so I've, it was. Uh, unfortunately, I've yeah. seen that as well, or or the other way around, like a buy sell's been drawn up, but the insurance policies have never been put in yeah. place. That that can happen as well. Yeah, and so you are obliged, yeah. as per that agreement, to actually yeah. pay out. So you need yeah. you need both for yeah. for sure and. It's interesting because in the case that we're discussing, unfortunately, it did go to claim and I lost a very good friend. Um, mm-hmm. But the, from me and the certainty that you actually provided, Joe, in that case was the certainty that we provided was that uh, the surviving business partner had the funds to pay out the surviving mm-hmm. spouse so that the shareholding reverted. So the certainty certainty we provide is the money. The certainty you provided was making sure it was done. Yes, yeah, making sure that the the surviving 
business owner yeah. then owned the whole business right. and that was transferred seamlessly and yeah yeah, yeah, yeah I mean you're right it was it was a, a tragedy losing yeah. such a wonderful human being yeah. but thank goodness that was all in place yeah. and his his uh, his wife now has a little bit of financial security She's going got security forward. security for life, yep. And she doesn't need to be worrying about uh, you know, hassling her husband's former yeah. business partner to try to get some money out of him yeah. that he might not have in a time when she's already grieving the loss of her husband and she's got a lot of other things on her plate. Yeah, and I think just to add to that as well, I've always said when it comes to insurance, and you know, you pay pennies to get back thousands, basically. Mm. So it's um, you, you're transferring a liability of your balance sheet onto a balance sheet of someone who can afford it for pennies in the dollar mm. being an insurance mm. company. But I've always said you always hope, I, mean, I certainly do, I pay a lot of money for my own personal insurance, but you always hope your insurance is a complete waste of money. Mm. That's mm. the goal. Yes. But you will die one day. I'm mm-hmm. hoping that I keep pushing it out now that I've turned 50, I'm dying at 105 because I never yeah. want to hit that halfway point. Right, <laughs> so, you still have a 100% I will chance of dying. And I still need that will. As a, as a mm. SME, as a business owner, which, which my will doesn't incorporate, I still need to make sure that this business survives and continues. I need to make sure that my family financially survives and continues as well. So your job is always going to be activated. Uh, we hope, in our case, the only thing that's activated is they live to a ripe old age and we've got enough investments there for them to live mm-hmm. um, off. So on that basis. So it is interesting that virtually every every document that you draft will one day be activated be on that basis on the state planning. Yes. Yeah, so and how, how, do you, how do you go about that for the listeners who... Um, you know, things like, for example, probate and putting that in place. That's not an easy process. You know, so cho- it, choosing executors, etc. Mm, yeah, yeah, it, it is. And look, people can struggle with answering the the questions I have for them. Yeah, and it it does take a little bit of pushing at times because it's human nature to put these things on the back burner. Mm-hmm. No, none of us. Yep. Will not many of us are, are planning to die anytime soon. No. So. It is human human nature to go, well, I'll deal with that tomorrow or next week or next month. Mm. And uh, people don't turn their minds to these questions. So part of my role, I think, as a, as a good estate planning lawyer is to be a bit of a pain and yeah. to follow up, follow up, follow up and call my clients when I haven't heard from them for a while and remind them that they need to turn their minds to these fairly boring things yeah. and remind them that they are not immortal in fact. Yes. And it is interesting that often the people who do things in a hurry are the people who realise that they don't have that much longer to live. Yeah. But none of us know when our time is going to be up and I, I just think it's a it's a responsible thing to do as an, a, an adult to, to have a will in place. It's interesting, it's interesting on that because we did actually have a client who's just come to mind who has referred to us a couple of months ago, uh, I think just before you went overseas, and uh, the father was terminally ill with three sons, mm. uh, one who'd been on a lifelong disability pension, but they were referred to us about uh, what to do, and the first thing we looked at is said, you've got to get your money out of superannuation, you're about, mm. to, you know, you're about to give your estate a $170,000 mm. tax bill. 
Um, so we had to quickly get that done. You were you quickly got the wills drafted, yeah. and we saved him a hundred and seventy thousand dollar tax bill. He stopped any potential conflict between the three sons mm. in respect to the will and what's going to happen with that. But I think on that case, you talk about timing. He passed away like a week later, didn't he? Two days later. Two days later after signing the document. Yes. That's, so, uh, so on that basis, by them seeking advice, there's not going to be a dispute within the family, we hope. Mm. Anyway, and even if there is, there's a legal document that they had assigned to make mm -hmm. sure yep. his wishes are held. And they saved $170,000 worth of unnecessary tax mm. uh, by quickly implementing yep, so. That, that's right. And I think True. that's it's not a good news story for Dad, no. but he knew he was terminally no, ill. Yeah, but, and, and he yeah. died knowing that he had put his affairs in order. Yeah. And it is very interesting how that does happen from time to time. There, Somebody puts the will in place and they die very soon afterwards. And I sometimes yeah. wonder whether there is a connection, whether they feel like they can go it's now. Done. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's done, done yeah. and I can let go now. Yeah. Joan, just another area that you work in, which is, you know, something that I, I suppose most couples uh, hope they never have to engage you in, is in family mm -hmm. law. Yes, that's the uh, other hat I wear. I'm an yes. estate planning lawyer and a family lawyer. Yes, uh, and family law, once again, is not a necessary sexy part of uh, the legal profession, I suppose, because that is when two people are in conflict. Mm. There's been a marriage yeah. or a relationship breakdown, and you're brought into it. But one of the, one of the things I do love about the work you do in what, and having been through a divorce myself, is through a very emotionally traumatic period. Um, and just a disclaimer, Joe was not my divorce lawyer. The divorce <laughs> was long before I met Joe. <laughs> so, but it was, um, the on the basis of it is you're actually a collaborative family law lawyer. Yeah. I'd like you to explain that because I wished mine and my exes was a bit more collaborative. <laughs> Probably would have saved me a truckload of money, but which I am a collaboratively that? trained lawyer. Although I'm also more than happy to be a pit bull and go to court for you and have a big ding dong Barney if that's what you really want. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. my view is that you nearly always get a better result approaching things collaboratively. Yeah. If you end up going to court, that tends to just escalate the conflict between the the parties and it tends to just lead to a, le a a much greater legal bill at the end of the day rather than a, a better outcome or a different outcome and yeah. through a collaborative approach you've got some chance i think of maintaining a, a civil relationship with your ex in the future yeah and look it's natural to to hate your ex for a while after you first separate. I, I don't know Sometimes that Sometimes even before you separate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, there's that many people who are lucky enough to stay best friends throughout and for it to be a completely amicable separation. There's always there's always some pain involved yeah. and, and yeah, there, there, there's always hurt and resentment or in most cases. But uh, having a, litigating is not the answer yeah. in my view. Yeah. It's much better to, to contain that hurt and resentment and try to sort things out over a series of, of joint meetings yeah. rather yeah. than all rushing off to court and being in your separate rooms with your separate attack dogs. 
So the, the idea of so <laughs> that, that's right. Yeah, the so, idea of col yeah. collaboration is to to try to find common ground and common goals. And it's surprising how how many common goals couples do have. Most couples will say, "Yeah, of course we want our kids to be okay." Yeah. And deep down, yeah, we probably do want the other person to be okay. We don't want to. We don't want them to suffer too much going forward. We. I know some who don't. Think yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> They're so, probably never going yeah, to so. collaborate. <laughs> but most yeah. people do have some common goals, and it's all about trying to work out what those are. Yeah. And rather than one person losing and one person winning, it's about hopefully finding a win-win solution. I would have thought from a mental health perspective that going into a divorce or a separation with a collaborative lawyer mm. um, where you can have a legal but mm. open and rash discussion in regards to the, 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 I've seen a lot of divorces, the well-being of the children is not what's put in place. Sometimes it's a case of, I just want to hurt my partner. Mm by yeah. not allowing yes. or, or such and But I would have thought through that collaborative approach it would be a better result for the yeah. couple, a better yeah. result for the children and probably a better result financially it, it as well. It tends to be. Because they're other... both walking away yeah. with an okay headspace rather yeah. than hatred and bitterness. Yes, we, we tend to keep things calm and we contain yeah. that irrationality that sometimes comes out. So you work out. with another collaborative lawyer yes, in that's that right. case. Yeah, yeah trained yeah. lawyer. Yeah, so, okay. And we very often involve other professionals in the process yes. so we might bring well, we've in been, we've been brought in a, few a, a psychologist or we might bring yeah. in a financial advisor who acts as a, a financial neutral for, yeah. for both of the yeah. the parties and they they help what do you want to achieve and then yeah. what is the best yeah, way of that, achieving that's that right do a bit of reality checking and yeah. and that's really beneficial as well so yeah. it's really a team Yep. So we set up the right team to help this couple sort out their differences, yep. decide what they want to do with with their with the division of their assets, agree on arrangements for their children, agree on arrangements for child support, and and move on. Yeah. Hopefully, with a with a, a half civil relationship. And then after they do that, by law, they have to go and do their estate planning again. Because <laughs> now their That's wills right. are no longer legally binding. That's is that right. correct? That, is, so that a, is an important part of it. And it's something that... I learned that myself going through a divorce. Yeah, that family <laughs> lawyers sometimes forget to remind their yes, clients mine, about. Mine did forget. And yeah. that, yeah, and that's a, also a benefit of, of wearing those two hats. Yeah. I'm always aware of, of family law issues in estate planning. Yeah. And I'm always... I always remind my family law clients that they need to get their estate planning done at the end of the day. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Joe, I'm sure you don't mind if we put your contact details um, attached to this podcast? I don't mind at all. <laughs> no, sorry, sorry, I didn't think you would. Let us know if you get inundated too much by okay. people. But um, yeah, as I said, we've uh, very happily used uh, Joe for six years, as you have used us as well. Um, and we've had a great relationship. Our clients couldn't speak more highly of you, uh, those that have used oh, you. So. And yeah. mine of you, Tony. Yeah, it's so nice. we've actually formed some good relationships yeah. with some of the clients yes. you've brought in. So a very strong relationship. So thank you for that. Really looking forward to you continuing to look out, you Steve, to look after our clients in the future. Thank Good you, job. Tony. Thank yeah. you, Jamie. Thank you, Joe. Thank, thank you, you. listeners. <laughs>